to Stretch 4 NBA Podcast with your hosts, Dan Titus and NBA fantasy experts, Alex Burns, Zach Hanshu, and Adam Koffler. What's good? What's happening, NBA fans and fantasy basketball enthusiasts? I'm Dan Titus, the host of the Stretch 4 Fantasy Basketball Podcast, and I'm joined by, you know the crew, Zach Hanshu and Adam Koffler. What's up, fellas? How you doing on this Saturday afternoon? What's popping? Couldn't be happier. Doing great, man. Great show. So for today's show, man, we have a we're gonna run through a ton of stuff between the Clippers and Jazz. Get some early reactions of that. Get some early predictions of the Nets and Bucks, as well as the Sixers and Hawks. And CP3 still remains in the protocol, so we'll get some early early looks at what we think is gonna happen in that Suns and Clippers series. Some movement as well. Tons of coaches are being fired. There's some drama in the league. So plenty to talk about there as well as some a big trade that went down. And then we'll get into some fantasy talk about our breakouts for this season. But I wanted to take a moment to recognize a special guest that we have on the show today. You may know him as the celebrity and, and uh, actor in For All Mankind on Apple TV, Narcos Mexico, Nurse Jackie, and Big Time Hollywood, but we know him as an avid NBA fan and fantasy enthusiast as well. So Lenny Jacobson, welcome to the show, man. Great to have hello, you. Hello, 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 hello. Uh, thanks for having me. I, uh, I am, as you said, a big sports enthusiast when it comes to all, all things sports, but then also, you know, fantasy which has turned sports into a, an even different beast that you deal with because you, you're now rooting for teams and players that you normally wouldn't. Or, you know, if your wife or your girlfriend would be like more annoyed by because oh, you yeah, have 100%. one favorite team <laughs> and they're not playing, but you're still going crazy about something else, they will never understand what exactly that means. We always have skin in the game now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. For it's sure. uh it's it's the evolution i i haven't done fantasy basketball as long but football we go back my buddies and i are in our 24th year of our fantasy football we really so that's like 97 or 98 before there were websites or they scrolled the stats in the bottom you know you'd have to get the usa today on monday morning yeah. and go through the stats and then write them in and yeah so that was the beginning of uh that that thing but thanks for having me on the show I'm, I'm looking forward to it hell yeah man you're an og uh, i love the stories of people that used to actually have to go to the papers to track their stats just to keep up with uh with fantasy that's how you know you're really into it um but i know you uh you mentioned that you just got into fantasy basketball but i know you have a pretty cool story adam how did you start getting in contact with lenny and how did you guys start chatting on twitter man when i when i first started doing all this stuff back in early 2020, right around when the pandemic started, uh, I started putting out hot takes uh, weekly for football. And they just, they got a lot of traction. And then all of a sudden this guy, this verified account on Twitter named uh, Lenny Jacobson decided to hit me up about something that I put in there or he DM'd me or something. And then, you know, we just kind of went back and forth and uh, I was kind of his uh, consultant there for a couple of weeks, I think. My guru. <laughs> and uh, I think he wanted, he wanted to, uh, you know, get the picks and the plays and the DMs instead of putting it on uh, uh, out there in the public. So we just, you know, kind of had some back and forth, uh, you know, in the football season and kind of extended into basketball. So I figured he'd be a great person to have on the show. Yeah, the oh, um, you came, the pandemic, it's so many different things happened during the pandemic you know it was like online poker for a while wanted to remind our listeners real quick about an opportunity that we've been discussing over the last couple of weeks the stretch four and underdog podcasts have partnered with ignition casino to bring you the listeners a totally free poker tournament with real prizes us as the hosts of the stretch four podcast will have bounties on our heads and our listeners can win some extra money by knocking us right out of the tournament so stay tuned for next week's episode to find out more about sign-up information. And in the meantime, check out Ignition Casino at ignitioncasino.eu to see all the stuff over there that they have to offer. Okay, back to you, Lenny. Um, what is the, I'm, I'm blanking, DraftKings. And I had never done DraftKings. And I'm like, this, you know, uh, fantasy football season was coming to an end. Uh, like the regular season. And then I think my team got knocked out in the, second round so that was like week what would that be week 15 second round yeah week. because we got an extra week and everybody's like when are you going to play but there's now by there's teams on buys in week 14 so everything pushes and um so we had started doing some of the fantasy football which i actually did better at i enjoyed it was a little bit easier to kind of 
throw a lineup together and play with your friends. We'd, we'd get like 10 or 20 of us in a, in a, in a tournament. And then going into the regular daily week, you know, weekly thing for football was much more difficult. And I think I saw, I had started following a few accounts on Twitter that um, would give you their hot takes each day or, you know, what, what to do with these lineups or what, types of 50 50 or uh points or all that business and and uh adam was one of those and so we did we had some interaction on the football but then i think basketball was where i really remember talking to you you would do those hot takes and there was a couple of weeks where you were just you were you you were a, a, a swami about it you were you were on fire there was the fred van fleet when he had like 54 i think you said fred's gonna get 50 and that's fantasy points and he ended up having 54 regular points. And then you hit another four or five in a row uh, for the next week or so. So yeah, you became my insights, my inside source. Yeah, don't don't tell anybody that was supposed to be 50 fantasy points. <laughs> about right. to say you blew your spot up a little bit there. <laughs> still though. Hey, it didn't, it didn't, it still hit. It didn't specify. It didn't specify. Literally, he must have had, you know, if it was 54 points that week, plus, you know, probably seven or eight assists, he must have been in the 80s, easy. Yeah, he was, I think he was in the 90s actually that, that day. And I think the next one, the next one I called was like Harrison Barnes or something. He he exploded. He had like a 30 point triple double like the night that I called that. There was Chris, uh, the Toronto kid in there at one point. Chris Boucher. Yeah, he's a he's a favorite. He's a favorite of the show. Who can you can live and die with Chris Boucher all all yep. season long. He was so yep. up and down. He's the Tyler Lockett of the NBA. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So, anyways, that was the uh interaction with Adam and I. And then Dan, <laughs> you and I, you had sent me an email er- earlier this week, and I saw the name uh Titus, right? Dan Titus. And I right. was like, Yeah, I got that in my head. And then last night after that insane. Clippers game you and I had gone back and forth for a minute and then I woke up this morning and I just happened to you know on Twitter you get like a like on some comment and I just looked at it quick and I was like oh wait that's the guy I'm talking to this afternoon (laughs) that's the weird that's the greatness of social media and weirdness of interactions and then Zach Zach buddy I uh I I don't we have nothing we don't have any history (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry man we'll change that today though i'll make it good that's right <laughs> i like your beard though i appreciate it man i like it look like quarantine has been going on for still going on we hey. all got a little a little bit of that fuck it in our system right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right so i, I want to pass off to adam real quick we have a huge announcement we've been running a promo for the last couple of weeks and really want to thank all the fans out there for leaving your reviews retweeting our content and listening to our show and finally we have a winner to announce for the signed Shaquille O'Neal Lakers jersey so Adam I'll I'll pass it off to you thank you pristine auction for uh partnering with us to give away this signed Shaquille O'Neal jersey Uh, we have selected a winner and so thank you to the uh, 62 entrants to the contest Uh, we had some retweets on Twitter we had people sign up on the Google form and we had a couple people leave some screenshot reviews. So appreciate all the interaction there. The winner of the signed Jersey is Justin Breedick at Jay Breedick on Twitter. Uh, we will be in contact with you and then we'll get your information over to pristine auction. Um, but the winner again is Justin Breedick at Jay Breedick on Twitter. So congratulations and uh, enjoy your Shaquille O'Neal signed Lakers Jersey. Jay Breedick. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Congratulations, Justin. That's a, sh- a signed Shaq Lakers jersey. Is it a the normal size Shaq Lakers jersey? <laughs> right. I don't know if it's game worn Shaq jersey because that would be uh that that would definitely be dope, man. Worth a lot of money. But I think this was probably going to be like a, what a large, extra large at most. Yeah, like I tried. That. I tried tagging Shaq in a couple of tweets. He didn't. Uh, he didn't like it or interact with the tweet. I'm a little disappointed about that. But I have one Shaq interaction. He. Uh, uh, I've lived in Los Angeles since 2001. So you get, and I worked at a cheesecake factory from 2001 to like 2005 or whatever. And you would get, I mean, there was always a million different celebrities in there. And and, uh, the cheesecake factory in Sherman Oaks has like the 24 hour fitness above it and the movie theater. So you would get a lot of different, uh, you know, Magic Johnson and Shaq would, 
every now and then walk by and you can't miss him. I mean, he's so, he's so much bigger in real life than you can even imagine when you see him on TV. But a few years ago, he had tweeted out, uh, I don't know if it was his list or it was someone else's list about the greatest centers of all time. It was like Chamberlain and um, Russell, obviously, uh, Shaq was in there and maybe Hakeem and Hakeem, Kareem. Robinson. Kareem. Yeah. Kareem. Yeah. So Jabbar, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, uh, he said something like, what do you think? And I think it was like Jabbar, Chamberlain, Russell, Shaq, Hakeem, someone else. And I just randomly responded to the tweet. I'm like, ah, oh, it's a solid list. Although I think I would put Hakeem ahead of you. No offense, but you know, <laughs> Hakeem is, he's the dream. I'm so, you know, Dominance and physicality, sure, Shaq, but I always feel like Akeem Olajuwon is a super underrated big man in the history. And I'm, you know, I'm from old NBA where it's, you know, 90s. I grew up in the mid 80s, 90s NBA. So obviously, if you get into those discussions, I have my bias, but the dream was incredible. And he literally, in about 10 minutes, he actually, I think he quote tweeted it and he goes, you know what? I got to agree with that. And oh, yeah, that's cool. Got that's my cool. Instagram somewhere and I was like, yeah, Shaquille. Uh, <laughs> and, and from then we've, we've kept on a long friendship, but no, actually he so quickly also changed his opinion on his own standing in the, uh, the uh, basketball hierarchy. He's like, yeah, the dream as well. That's what I like about Shaquille. Like he obviously has his confidence in himself, but he's also willing to be like aware of his place and how, where he stands in NBA history. Transitioning a little bit to talking about the playoffs. You mentioned you were old school kind of NBA. What are your thoughts? I know we've been watching a lot of the playoffs and I know you have been too. What are your thoughts on just how soft the officiating has been in these playoffs so far? We see, we see got like referees like getting super excited to call a charge. Like, you know, they're stealing the spotlight from some of these players. Like, how do you feel about the way the officiating has been? I, you know, it's funny. I, this has been a long, it's for a lot of sports for me as, as the games have evolved, the players are bigger, faster, stronger, you know, in some, like the NFL has made it a point to protect the quarterbacks more, which I think is look, the NFL, they're, these guys are so much bigger and faster now. I mean, if you didn't protect certain things and try to keep the, their head and neck areas under control, I mean, these, it's, you know, career ending injuries at any moment. The NBA has always been a little weird to me where they have made it a point to, you know, whether it's the hand checking, whether it's the physicality, you know, and, and I'm not, saying I would I wanted to go back to the 90s Pistons Knicks Bulls Celtics Detroit you know where Lambeer is just laying people out but they're there's the middle ground it's frustrating as a fan who grew up playing basketball I played basketball my whole life and watched those teams play those late 80s were a little bit more you know insane but the early 90s Knicks and even when you get to the Pistons and then even the Ben Wallace Pistons and and, and look, the NBA has made a decision that they would like the game to be played at this particular pace and, and with these restrictions on the physicality, and that's fine. But yeah, you're getting to the point where any physicality at all, not only is it, is it frowned upon, but then with the reviewing of a possible flagrant one or two, and then you could be kicked out of a game. A prime example is last night watching Gobert just look befuddled by the Clippers in every aspect. I think, Dan, that's what you and I talked about. Right. Where, you know, I think that was, that's, that lands on the coach. He should have taken him out early in the second half when he, he knew that the Clippers were only going to have one route back to a comeback win. And that was just going small and bombing threes and running and pushing him up the court. And they use it against Gobert. And yeah, he looked, he looked lost out there. And then even, as you got into the, the early fourth quarter, you know, then Reggie Jackson must have taken it to the goal on him at least two or three times and laid it over him. Terrence Mann killed him. And at some point I would have been like, even Gobert should have laid somebody out. Like you have to, you have to set your dominance in place. You have to break this string of endless uh, nonstop, you know, 25 point lead. I mean, and I know the NBA is certainly with the three pointer, you're never out of a game, but they never made the adjustments to, to 
to break that, you know, and go, it's not like Gobert. It's not like you're taking out Jokic at the other end where you're like, well, we can't lose his offense. I don't know what he had for points. I don't even think his rebounds are that good. He did basically nothing the second half had no blocks. Um, I blame, I blame that on, uh, Utah's what is that? Quinn Schneider. Is that their coach? Yep. Quinn Schneider. Yep. Yeah. It looks like a, it looks like an evil villain or something. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. He looks like Defoe. Yeah. And then also even like Conley and like that, he should have pulled both of them. Conley wasn't hundred percent. I appreciate nope. that. He finally came back and played. He could have gone small and at least tried to break that momentum down. But anyways, in the grand scheme, yeah, the NBA now I enjoy it. I love, you know, look, it's fast pace, the three pointers, the, you know, it's a, the defense is, a, is definitely more spread out. Um, would I love to see it be a little more physical? Sure. But this is the, the NBA that they decided to have, but you've taken the player's ability to change momentum out of the game if they're going to be afraid that they could get tossed or or joking you know he got tossed out of the mvp got tossed out of a game with what was that five or six minutes that's, to go? yeah that's for, for slap for slap a bench warmer that that's just that series was way much. over yeah that series was gonna be done you can't anyway. let the mvp out though like come on right like, even you know the nba cares about the viewership you have the mvp on the floor even if the game was out of hand it was Cameron Payne. That guy is not significant anyway. Like he did his job way, way better than anybody else could. You got Jokic taken out of the game for some BS. Um, shout out to it's Jokic's like, brothers who look like they were ready to scrap too after that. It's like in uh, in uh, in games game six uh, Friday night Hawks Sixers that uh, that phantom offensive foul on Joel Embiid. Like if you right. take if you give him a flagrant two and take him out of the game, now you have a problem, right? Like there's a big problem. You can't that that that's going to affect the outcome of the series. So it's like the NBA calls it one way one time and another way another time based on like what's going on in the series. Like that it can't be like that. And that should have been a no call. And then back oh, in the day, sure. you know, it was the makeup call. It was the right. You know, uh, Jordan Bird Magic would get the stars treatment when it came to certain things. And but now because of the replay and because of the way everything is scrutinized on social media. It's the same with baseball and like umpiring, you know, uh, every couple of weeks, Angel Fernandez, uh, Hernandez, Fernandez, Hernandez, he's trending on Twitter, yeah. which you don't want any umpire to ever be trending on Twitter because his strike zone is so erratic. But, um, <laughs> you know, with the NBA, the joke thing, that's, a, that's the perfect example of him coming down, feeling like he got hit. And then turn around and just smacking the guy to hit him. It's it's been it's something that has been gone. It happens in the NBA since the beginning of time. You get fouled, you don't get the call. You you let your frustrations out on a hard foul, and you move on. You know he didn't try to put that guy into the, into you know he didn't try to hurt him or end his season or hurt his career. He just frustratingly, the frustration from the fact that they're about to be swept. That's, that game, that's the cool. series is basically over, and he's been a full season of just carrying that team and Jokic gets abused. If you ever looked at that guy's arms, he's got scratches and bumps and bruises. I mean, it's a full season. Oh yeah. If, if, if you don't, if you, if you don't complain like Trey Young and James Harden, you're not going to, you're just not going to get the calls. Like Tobias Harris doesn't get the calls. He gets railed every time he goes to the hoop, but because he doesn't complain like some of these other guys, he just like sitting there on the floor, like waiting for a call. He's not going to get it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, so anyways, look, I love, I love this version of the NBA. I think it's entertaining. Um, I wish, you know what, two years ago, the all-star game where they did the first Kobe type all-star game where you played to 24, the accumulation and then whatever team got to 185 first, that was the best brand of basketball I've seen since maybe ever, because you had the talent of today's NBA, LeBron, Durant, Harden, uh, Westbrook, all of those guys. And that last three or four minutes, I don't know if you guys remember, they played full on, like they contested every shot. They were, they were physical. Um, they were the inbounds pass or the, the post pass was denied. They played three point line defense. They, they checked, they manned up everybody. And it was, it was an amazing finish. Uh, and you were like, Oh, they can do this. They can play this type of game. Also, I mean, and in a full season, if they played that way, no one would last a season anyways because they were exhausted by the end too. The amount of 
um, energy you put into playing that style. But there, there's, there's definitely a middle ground I would like to see where, you know, defense becomes a bigger part of the game and physicality becomes, you know, if a team, it doesn't have the skills of a New Jersey, then they can, you know, they can physically beat up on a team a little bit to even it out. Anyways, so New Jersey taking New it back Jersey. to the <laughs> oh, Brooklyn. Sorry, Brooklyn. <laughs> he's going to run with days. Stephon Marbury and Kerry Kittle. Right. Jason, Jason Kidd days. Eric right. Coleman was in the Jersey Net. DC. DC, yeah. that's my favorite college. One of my favorite college players of all time. 44 for the, for the Cuse, DC. Lenny, speaking of college, man, uh, we had a little insight that maybe you played a little ball in college. Do you want to talk about that? You know, I, I, I played some ball growing up um, in Western Massachusetts. I went to a Catholic high school, so I'm not saying that we were, we were by any means uh, breaking. Oh, you know what? Funny story. When I was in uh, grade school, I played against Travis Best. Uh, Travis Indiana, Best of the Pacers, right? Pacers. He, he grew up in Springfield, Mass. He was a freak of nature in the high school grade school high school area of springfield i think he had 80 if you look on it in high school he had about 80 he had 80 something you know 12 13 threes back in the day when threes weren't as prevalent as they are now before pre-steph curry um but yeah i grew up in high school i think i played travis best in like seventh or eighth grade and he had 25 on us and he only played a half you know he played like two quarters like he played the first and third and then they sat him um, but yeah, I played a, a, a little division three at Roger Williams university in Rhode Island. And it was great. You know, it was, I wasn't, I wasn't going to the NBA, but I, you know, for a time there, I was, I was a pretty decent baller. I could dunk six foot, six, one ladies. You hear that? Six foot, six foot. I had, to, <laughs> I had some mops and, a, and a pretty good three point shot. So yeah, back in the day, uh, basketball was, I wish I had done acting in high school and college instead of sports because that's what ended up being the career i went into i never did any acting until i was like 26 or 27 when i moved to los angeles and i should have been doing that and who knows where although you know you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be so, so tell us tell us how you got into that because in 2000s i was reading your imdb and i i knew i recognized you from a scene in entourage and i'm a big <laughs> i'm a huge entourage i'm a huge entourage guy man Watched it through like six times. So tell us a little bit about your role in Entourage and then also kind of how you got started. Uh, yeah, my first credit in uh, my first television credit is Rub and Tug Customer number two. Not number one, number, number two. two. It's a classic TV credit up there with Pizza Delivery Guy number four or Cop number seven. Um, I had done, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 27 not necessarily to pursue acting, but just uh, I had visited and uh, my stepfather's friend from college is a stand-up and a writer and a TV guy. And we just loved it out here. And I'm like this weather and, you know, I grew up on the East Coast, New England. So the change of scenery was great. And then I, uh, you know, I got a job waiting tables at the Cheesecake Factory and then took some improv classes and other acting classes. And it was never like, uh, oh, if I don't make it by this age, I'm going to quit because I, it was never something I thought it would happen. So I did some commercials and things here and there. And a buddy of mine from one of these commercials I did was the AD, assistant director for the Entourage series. And he's like, oh, you know what, come in and we'll, we'll I auditioned for one part I didn't get. And then he's like, well, you're going to do this rub and tug scene like Johnny Drama comes out. He's rushing to somewhere. And uh, you guys are just cross paths. And uh, I'm like, what's up drama? I think that's my line. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Lenny, he uses my real name because at the time it was supposed to be Mark or something. And my buddy was like, hey, um, uh, it's, uh, who's the actor, Dylan? He's <laughs> like, hey, Kevin, call him Lenny. His real name is Lenny. So I, it was great. We did like three takes and I had a good time. I was on set. It's the first shot time I was ever on set for a TV show. It was very fast. Everyone was cool. Kevin Dillon was great. Um, and then when it aired, you know, Entourage had a lot of uh, people who showed up playing themselves. You know, I think Tom Brady did at some point and mm -hmm. uh, Ronda Rousey did. And, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I always told people that was a cameo. I was like, yeah, cameo and Entourage. <laughs> hey, what's up, drama? Hey, lady. 
uh, although it's still rub and tug customer number two, but yeah, that's my first TV credit was Entourage. And we, you know, I had a bunch of friends and we watched it and it's a funny little world to, uh, to be a part of as you continue along in this career. But that was my first. Very cool. Um, so yeah, let's switch gears a bit. Let's talk a little bit more about hoops. So I know, uh, Lenny, we were talking about how Gobert was a defensive liability. I just want to shout out Donovan Mitchell for his performance throughout the whole series, Love man. Like dude. 35 points per game, five rebounds, five assists. But like, it was more of just like him just taking over. And I can't help but think he's like a combination of Dwayne Wade and Joe Dumars. Like the way that he just continues to gut it out. He can play both sides of the ball, but he could just take it and score whenever he wants to. And I'll be honest. I'm, I don't think he's going to be in Utah long-term. I don't know how he's going to get out of there, but he just seems like he's going to be a better, bigger market type of superstar in the years to come, man. Cause this dude isn't scared of the moment. Yeah. You, Utah, Utah, like, you know, they're, they're like, they're a good squad. Um, the only superstar there is Donovan Mitchell. I mean, it's hard to win, hard to win without other pieces. And, and Gobert has shown that he's not, he's not really that guy. He's, he doesn't really fit what, you know, the, the way the NBA game is going today. You need a guy, you need a big, who's going to be able to stretch the floor a little bit more than Gobert. And you saw he was a liability much like, I mean, the Sixers right now we're recording on Saturday. The Sixers are still in it as we're recording, but we're going to know if it's the Hawks or the, the Sixers in the Easter conference finals. Like Ben Simmons played 25 minutes in game six and the Sixers won. Like the Hawks almost like did themselves a disservice by getting, getting him into foul trouble. But it's like the same thing with Gobert. Those, these guys are just like, either one's a liability on defense because he can't hang with the smaller guys or one's a liability on offense because he clogs up the paint and can't step out and shoot a three. It's like, you know, we, we, we're getting to a point where you need all your guys to be able to step out and hit a three and space the floor a little bit. Well, the, the thing I, I, I wouldn't compare Simmons and Gobert. I think, no, for sure. I think Gobert is a, is a legitimate NBA player who has a, a set of skills that work for him very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. And he's a, you, everyone can't be the big shooting threes, which is fine. And you don't want him to turn into that big. No, not but at all. He actually, who knows? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, one of the Lopez brothers bombs threes now. The thing, I'll say two things. The thing, first of all, no one gives a rat's ass about Utah. If they're having a rough run of it, no one cares. <laughs> Fuck yeah. John Stockton. Fuck Carl Malone for life. <laughs> Anti-vaxxer John Stockton. <laughs> yeah, John Stockton just happened to say that the day before they got bounced. No offense to the anti-vaxxers out there who follow your right. show. But right. fuck, it. fuck Utah. But I've enjoyed this playoff. Can we cuss on this? I did. Yeah, sure. I've liked the redemption story for, first of all, Trey Young, who is a who is an undervalued NBA player by not only fans, but other players. I think in the all-star voting this last season, he was like 11th or 12th from NBA players. They just don't respect his game, whether it's because he draws the fouls the way he does, or he's smaller, or he's like Steph Curry light or Dame. But the fact that he's doing what he's done in these playoffs is fantastic. He's, he's played the villain against the Knicks. He plays the villain against the Sixers, but he also backs it up. That dude's thrown up 35 and 11, 18 assists the other night. Redemption for Trey. Then you got Devin Booker, another guy who gets no respect in this league. He's just a scorer. He, in the bubble last year, he went off. I was so excited to see Phoenix make it, and they fall one game short. They go undefeated in the bubble. This year he gets Chris Paul, who – it, it, you know, his, his legacy is now turning in. He went from being a great point guard who you're like, ah, can he ever win the big game? And I have friends who are kind of on the inside of some NBA stuff with the, with the Clippers and this stuff. And they're like, no one likes Chris Paul, you know, Paul Pierce never liked him. And uh, you know, his stuff with Blake and uh, the big man there in the middle, Jordan, you know, and I was always like, kind of like, eh, I don't really love Chris Paul, but these last, three or four seasons he goes from OKC to making them a winner and a contender to now Phoenix making them a contender so I love seeing CP3 do well and Booker get his respect that he deserves Trey Young Booker who's the other guy even Donovan Mitchell another guy who kind of gets you know pushed to the side because he's like is he only a scorer or he's a dunker so the I love these storylines that have popped up in this 
playoffs with no LeBron because he's out. And that Laker team should have been out. They weren't as oh, good. Paul, Paul, Paul George. Paul George, yeah. Gets, he's another guy that gets a lot of shit. Although he probably brings it on himself a little bit. But that's the great thing about these playoffs. I, I know LeBron was complaining about injuries. You know, was the turnaround too quick? But you got like guys like Terrence Mann stepping up to make a difference in these series. So I think I, I've enjoyed, like if Trey knocks out the Sixers, are they a better team than Philadelphia? Probably not. But if you're not going to be a team in the playoffs that can close someone out or win a big game like that with Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris, you got to go home. I'm fine with that. Yeah. I don't know where I was going. I just started rambling. I, I love that these three or four guys have had big playoffs. And now the NBA, instead of it being about Dame and LeBron and Durant, even to a certain extent, these other superstars are coming up, which I think is great. Passing of the torch. Exactly. You're starting to see the emergence of these young superstars and it's really great because I mean LeBron is the I mean he's the goat of that 2010 you know two, oh he started in like 2003 2004 but like he really owned that 2010 range of basketball and um all these young superstars man they're they're getting a, ch- a chance to showcase their talents on the main stage and they're kicking ass like it, I I thought it felt great not seeing the Lakers in the or LeBron in the the stage of the playoffs like it's time for a changing of the guard and I think we're seeing it. Uh, this year and so much parody now like yeah some injuries had to play a part in that but I think it's fun that we're going to see random teams now and who knows I mean we're recording this on Saturday as as mentioned before but imagine if the Bucks beat the Nets here like the Nets are they were the shoe in because they had their big three but who knows man the Bucks could easily steal steal game seven and we'll see the you know a really interesting Eastern Conference final but but it's, yeah, it's, it's no excuses this time of year right like I, I see people all the time complaining about their team's uh, having injuries to their superstars it's like I get it it was a shortened condensed season but this is going to happen every year like whether you like it or not players are going to deteriorate health is going to deteriorate down the stretch you're going to have to deal with injuries as you get in the playoffs and have guys playing 40 minutes it happens all the time it might be a little bit more you know dramatic this season but it, there's it's no different than every other season you deal with injuries you move past them and and the the team that's able to you know overcome that is going to you know, hold the trophy at the end of the season. I think that's, I don't see anything wrong with the way that these playoffs are playing out right now. I think, well, you look at the NBA now, we talk about the fact that it's, there's less physicality. There's the monitoring, monitoring minutes more, you know, the rest, nobody plays a full game. Like Durant played 48 minutes the other night, which is crazy. But throughout the season, you know, LeBron will take off a couple of games, which he should. I mean, he's 35, whatever, but you know, back in the, the old NBA, they play 81, 82 games every year. And and I think uh, Barkley or somebody they talked about with Anthony Davis, they're like, what is he doing? What is his routine that he's this pro, he's injured this off? He's 28 years old. I think I tweeted the other day, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's 28 or 29. I, I kind of lump him into a LeBron later career thing when he's not be, just because he's been hurt so often. You have to wonder what it is that he's doing, you know, whether it's his his off-season workout or whatever his bit is that he kind of gets plagued with these injuries throughout his career. You know what I mean? I I I don't they're not playing any more or any more difficult or any more physicality. So it's got to be something else, you know. And I was just gonna mention that, you know, it's pretty much just a war of attrition at this rate, because you know, the Clippers aren't making any excuses. Terrence Mann just had the game of his life unbelievable performance man like that that game down 25 and that guy just shouldered the squad on his back from 25 down it's just crazy and in that third quarter and Reggie Jackson who would have thought that that dude would put together a a string of performances like that in the conference semifinals man I thought that that dude was written off most people did like coming out of Detroit he kind of got traded as like a a casualty of of sorts and he really made the most of the situation and Ty Lue I think a lot of people underrate his coaching ability, right? His adjustments that he made that Quinn Snyder did not make was really the difference, the differentiating factor into that. What was the thing, the stat 12 and one, 12 and one in, in game. And it was a game seven or no game clinching game, clinching games or something like that. That's a hell of a stat. Unbelievable. Ty Lue is the anti doc rivers with his mask. We have no, we have no idea what's going on under that mask. Ty Lue never takes it off. Doc Rivers has it sitting on his, uh, on it around his neck the entire game. We don't refer to it. We don't refer to him as Doc anymore. It's it's Glenn Rivers. This guy Glenn needs to get his shit. To, this guy needs to get his shit together. Glenn Rivers fan. I, you know, he, 
he uh, early time with the Celtics, he was a tr- I, I, I didn't love his his coaching style. And then he got the big three and they won. And I was like, all right, that's fine. And then he went to the Clippers and had many seasons where they just couldn't get it done. Um, you know, I'm sure he's a good coach in the grand scheme of things, but there is something definitely that isn't working out and some and 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 something with his teams, you know what I mean? You always can put it on someone else. But that Philly yeah. team is weird. I've never I've never been a big Ben Simmons guy. It's not that I dislike him for any other reason than I just I feel like he just I think you Adam, you said it he doesn't have a place in today's NBA because he doesn't have a he doesn't have a shot. You know, he can't shoot foul shots. He has no three-pointer. And you want to be like, he's a professional, you know, he's an NBA player. He should be able to, you know, all the last two off seasons, he was working on his three and they're like, this is the year. And it seems like as the season goes on, it just gets worse. It's kind of the same with Giannis too. You know, the free throws and him being a closer at the end of the game, when your star can't close a game because he's a liability from the foul line or he can't shoot a jumper or finish the game out, you know? So I don't know what Ben Simmons is going to do, but. He needs to step up in other ways, though. Like, if he's not going to be able to score or do anything, we know he's a great defender, passer, rebounder, then he should be getting 12 to 15 rebounds, dishing yeah. out five or six assists. Six, six absolutely. Yeah, be, be, be Russell Westbrook if you're not going to be, be able to – Yeah, if you can't contribute in other aspects of the game. Like, you can't be taking your superstar point guard off the floor with 30 seconds left no, because it's a liability from the free throw line. People love to poo-poo on Westbrook and it's become the stat padding thing with Westbrook. He is so underappreciated. You know, I don't know if his style is ever going to be something that can win a championship, but he plays like Kobe and MJ, that killer thing that I've always been kind of like when you talk about LeBron and Kobe or MJ, I don't, I don't love those discussions. Just enjoy who's playing at this particular time. But those two were killers. Like they would literally take their family down to win an NBA championship and Westbrook is the same thing. Like he'll leave his entire body out there. So Simmons might have to change to becoming, you know, become that. Yeah. He's pretty much like a Draymond green. And like, I feel like his ceiling at this point is like Giannis because they both have very big stature can do pretty much everything. I mean, Giannis has a couple of defensive player of the years under his, under his belt, but really without being able to have a jump shot or be able to make a threat, you're just clogging the paint and just creating disruption. And if, unless you're going to play in the post, like it'd be a screen setter. Um, I don't really see what your value is because he can't really run a half court offense. He can't shoot. So at this point, man, I, if I'm the Sixers and I'm Glenn rivers, I'm, I'm probably going to stagger the lineup <laughs> and put in Tyrese Maxey, man. Cause that guy willed them part. Like, just like Terrence, man, he was like that young dude that just stepped up. I think it was a great, selection by the Sixers uh, yeah. snagging him in the draft because he's a baller and listen fade, fade the noise here because on last week's episode we kind of shit on Kevin Durant and how he couldn't help his team uh, get over the top all by himself and this week we're we're pooping on uh, Ben Simmons and he's probably going to somehow carry the team yeah uh, well, into, into the Eastern Conference you know, Finals and a, beyond a triple but double tomorrow lock he doesn't, <laughs> I would love to see it but yeah Durant is a different beast in general I I actually was thinking about that last week and I, I think Durant's great I do do I love that he went to Golden State you know the whole big controversy about it no but I think his legacy is going to be what it is I would have loved to seen him take be the guy of his own team and he's kind of doing that now but that game the other night that was the game I was like waiting for from Kevin Durant. I was like, that's yeah. the game we wanted to see. You'd have to carry a team. And he did. Yeah. I don't know if Ben Simmons, He's not I don't know if there. Ben Simmons can score 47 points to be honest. So no. it doesn't really matter. Or 49 or whatever. I should never tweet about it then as a hot take then. Right? No, I mean, you can, I, I would love to see Ben Simmons win this series. If he's going to look, I love the Hawks. I love this story. I think Philly is a better overall team. I think they would give the next opponent a better matchup although who knows though because Atlanta just keeps doing it you know they they all fill their roles perfectly and Mm -hmm. Trey Young is not afraid of the moment he is he's your he's today's underrated superstar who likes to be the bad guy who steps up in the big game he you know he, he backs it up but I would love to see Ben Simmons make himself make it so you can't take him out do it on defense do it with rebounds do it with physicality but he just, you know, he his his he just disappeared in these last couple of games, and I don't blame him because of the, you know, the hack a hack a shack hack a Ben Simmons thing. But as far as Philly and Atlanta, I think Philly's going to win. I think Embiid is it will do enough. I think Tobias Harris. I just think they're a more talented team. 
and they'll figure it out going to the next round. But this team's uh, got the best. They've got the best win percentage in the league at home since Kawhi hit that shot in the playoffs last season, the season before. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm, Zach, I'm with I'm with you, Philly. Zach, what's your prediction? Uh, my prediction is the end of the Simmons and Embiid era. Uh, the Hawks Ooh. get Hawks get bounced here. Simmons gets shipped out of town, and that's all she wrote. Ooh, spicy. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Sixers, man. Got to ride with my home team, Philly. I think they're gonna win in seven. I think I think they're just a better team. But I think if this is where we're gonna see if Ben isn't gonna get a triple double and be super effective. I think we're gonna see him hopefully lock down Trey Young because no one's been able to do it. So. We'll see how game seven unfolds. And just real quick, I want to get your guys' predictions for the East, the Western Conference Finals. Who do you think is going to win in the Suns and the Clippers series? I'll go first. I got the Suns. They just look too good. But we'll see when Chris Paul is coming back. We don't know yet. Oh, right. He's in the, He's in the uh, protocol. He'll miss tomorrow. Monty Williams, like Monty, Monty Williams wouldn't specify if he had more information on that, that regard. He's Now, he's got he, – he tested positive – he has been vaccinated. Not that that makes a difference. Like, how do we know? How do we know he tested positive? Did that come out? Yeah, that, that came out. Yeah, okay. that came out. That's why he was he was put yeah. in isolation. But he and he's also been vaccinated. I think Jalen right. Rose came out and said that, which doesn't mean f you know it's the John Rom thing in golf a few weeks ago. Um, he probably misses what one game. I still think they're good enough to win without him one game. I love. I look. I love that the Clippers finally made it to a thing, but with to a conference final. But without Kawhi, who right. I'm pretty sure is done, uh, that magic that they pulled off last night, a rested Suns team, might might sneak that game out with Paul. I still think the Suns win in. If Chris Paul misses a game, I think they win in six, uh, and they could win in five. I just don't think the Clippers are good enough to beat that team, and it's. I think the Suns are destined. I think the Suns are going to win the whole thing. And they've got and they've got two guys to strap up Paul George and uh, Jay Crowder and Michael Bridges. So they, they match up pretty well with the Clippers, I think. Yeah. yeah. Adam, what's your thoughts on that series? Yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with the Suns, and then I'm going to stick with the Sixers uh, to get to the finals as well, as I've been saying. Oh, you're all... going all the way through. Yeah, so I went, I went Sixers-Jazz originally. Obviously, the Jazz have been knocked out, but I, I can't go against my hometown team, and I really do think that they have an opportunity here especially if uh, Kyrie remains out. Brooklyn, right? Is I mean, Kyrie's what, – what's his injury? Oh, ankle. He's got an ankle ankle sprain. Great Harden too. is not anywhere near 100%. Joe Harris has forgotten how to shoot. Durant, Durant can put up – I don't know if Durant can do back-to-back games where, you have to, where he has to carry them. And, and then as far as Milwaukee, I don't know. I mean, I want to lo- – I, lo- I love Giannis, and I want to love – but this Milwaukee team, it's the same thing every year in the playoffs. They kind of hit this roadblock – uh, where they should definitely be winning this. And Middleton's kind of been unshaky. And uh, I think, I just think Phoenix, I like the, ma- I like the mix this year. I like the fact that in the last couple of games, once Chris Paul comes back from protocol, when they're, he kind of cruises through the first three quarters, you know, he'll dish, he'll shoot. But at about seven or eight minutes to go, if, if Phoenix looks like they're going to kind of lose their way, he literally won't let them. He shut down mm-hmm. the last couple of games. He'll hit a couple of jumpers. He'll dish one out. Hit a, he'll hit a three. I think this is the year he gets his championship. I think it's. Uh, I think they're going to cruise to the finals. Zach, what's your thoughts? I think the Nets are going to win uh, against Milwaukee. I still haven't seen Milwaukee show me any indication that they're going to be able to put things together. Uh, I mean, they they had everything on the line yesterday and or two days ago and and beat Brooklyn, so that was great. Uh, but they've had to scrap, man, even with all the injuries to Brooklyn. As Lenny mentioned, Joe Harris hasn't been able to find a bucket to save his life. Um, so I, I'm still going to pick the Nets here, uh, and I think star power in the playoffs usually does the trick. So I'm going to pick them to win the finals, as I did when we first did these predictions. Um, and for the Western Conference, yeah, I'm going to have to go Suns. Uh, if Kawhi is out, with you know, if it ends up being an ACL injury and he misses the rest of the series – um, against the Suns, it's a wrap, man. Suns in five or six for sure. Yeah, I got a clout chase real quick. I believe both of you selected the Jazz to win the last series, but I take the crown with the Clippers. So, but no, yeah, all, I had we, the we Lakers going to the finals. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, oh. so I'll, I'll call myself yeah, out with that horrible. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew it was the LA team, just not which one. Um, yeah, yeah. Good call, Titus. 
All right, though. Let's uh, let's talk some fantasy hoops here. Uh, the the title of the show, we're, we're going to talk about the breakout candidates. So we're going to go around the horn, give you a few guys that we like uh, to break out next season. So um, I'll start off with with you, Zach. Who's your first guy that you like going into next season? So I'm going to go ahead and give you a young guy here. It's a guy that uh, just finished his rookie season with very little fanfare. Killian Hayes from the Detroit Pistons, a guy that I really like. Number seven overall pick last season. You know, he only played 26 games. He dealt with the hip injury for most of the season. But when he came back, he looked really good. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of a lot of things that he needs to improve on, right? Uh, so turnovers are a big thing for him, trying to force passes that he shouldn't. You know, and shooting, my goodness, especially from three, was was pretty poor last year. But a lot of reason for optimism, man. 5.3 assists per game, only played about 26 minutes a game. You know, not a totally gifted score, but effective rebounder, makes some disruptions on defense, averaged a steal per game. And, you know, the backcourt in Detroit, uh, very slim pickings. DeLon Wright got traded. Coaching staff showing that they believed in Hayes' upside and what he could do, why they drafted him so high. He only had 18.5% usage as a rookie. That's sure to go up. And he's a guy that was, you know, he was good at the pick and roll before coming into the NBA. That was one of his strengths. Uh, of course, we know Isaiah Stewart excels in that spot as well. And with Detroit possibly picking in the top two, they might end up with Evan Mobley from USC, which could also be a great pick and roll partner for him. A lot of things for me are showing optimism. And just one other one here for me before I close it out and quit ranting at you guys. Uh, only seven <laughs> players in NBA history have averaged at least 5.3 assists per game at age 19 or younger. Those include huh. LeBron, Luca, Kyrie, Stephon Marbury, LaMelo Ball, and Emmanuel Moutier. Um, so obviously one of those names is not like the other, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we have a pretty illustrious list here. Hayes obviously is the worst shooter of that bunch, but there's definitely reason to be optimistic. Uh, we know how LeBron shot in his first year or two in the league. So obviously that can be fixed with practice. So I think the court vision, you know, a little bit of improvement on defense. And I think he can be really elite moving forward. It's a really nice pool. And I feel like that that's, I think you really hit the nail on the head in terms of like the backcourt and just lack of depth there. They drafted him for a reason. Reason and they pretty much gave him the keys to the to the squad here. So great call. Lenny, I'll kick it off to you, man. Do you got a breakout candidate for us? I I you know, I like <laughs> every year I'll I'll kind of do some research and I'll pop in and pick a guy like a couple years ago with Siakam, um, you know, pre-breakout. And then I I really liked uh uh Chris Boucher last year. Boucher? Boucher. 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 Like Bobby. <laughs> and I love the guy from Houston uh, last year. So I had Christian Wood. That, yeah, I had a few that I kind of nailed. I mean, if I had to go through some of the guys I was I was high on this year, um, I mean, OKC has a bunch of those young guys. I don't know how that sometimes mediocrity of your team gives your fantasy breakouts an opportunity. Baisley and and uh, all those guys there. But I'll listen to your guys' run through and let you guys chat this one out. Yeah, it's interesting. The the Sometimes the worse a team is, the better some of those guys are from a fantasy perspective. But however, as we saw down the stretch with teams resting guys, that affected you. Like you had to be agile and drop some of those guys down the stretch because they weren't getting the run. Yeah, it was a tough fantasy. I mean, with, with COVID and resting and the short turnaround of the season, my dad and I, he runs the, the basketball league that we did. And it was so... Uh, payout heavy on playoffs and I was like he didn't give much credence to regular season and then it ended up being I mean your last and also finishing the season before the last week I don't think we did that either and it was a shit show um, so yeah I think that that's other things in this in this modern NBA fantasy football baseball bat all of them you have to take into consideration all of these other aspects it really becomes how you adjust and then luck, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been, I've been shouting Locked from the rooftops to, to pay out the regular season winners uh, almost, yeah. almost, yeah. almost just, just as much or even more than the playoffs and have the playoffs be more of a, I won the whole thing. Here's my bragging rights. As opposed to like, give me the, give me the cash prize for like a regular season of, of body of work. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. So Coffer, what's your, uh, who's your first breakout? OG Anunavi. With, uh, with Kyle Lowry off the floor, Anunoby's usage increases 
uh, by 3% up to 22%. And my assumption is Kyle Lowry will not be a, a Raptor next season. Uh, Anunoby dealt with injuries on and off in the 2020 season. We saw sort of a mini breakout. He upped his points uh, on the season up to 15 per game from 10 the season before, but he played 19 healthy games last season. In those 19 games, he averaged 19.1 points, three three-pointers made, five and a half rebounds, and almost three assists per game. I think he improves on those numbers uh, next season, and I really do think we could see him uh, amongst the likes of guys like Jalen Brown and Tobias Harris, who put up similar numbers uh, in terms of shooting percentages and uh, the points, rebounds, assists, and defensive stats uh, as well that Anunoby brings to the table. So I really do think he's on the verge of a big-time breakout next season, especially if Lowry is, in fact, no longer in Toronto. Um, my next guy is Cole Anthony of the Orlando Magic. He was pretty active on Twitter this past week after he was snubbed from the first and second team all-rookie teams, uh, which is crazy because he put up some pretty good stats uh, in a condensed season, dealing with some injuries, uh, but he got an opportunity because Markel Fultz obviously went down with ACL injury early on in the season. So the Magic gave away all three of their quote-unquote superstars at the trade deadline, and after that, Cole Anthony averaged almost 16 points a game, five rebounds, and almost five assists per game. He only played 30 minutes in seven plus games, in seven games, and he averaged 21 points, 5.3 rebounds, and five assists per game in those games. So we're looking at a guy who could potentially average 25 and five next season, um, especially since Markel Fultz probably won't be back until early 2022 as he recovers from the ACL, you know, uh, which will probably take at least, you know, 10, 11, 12 months to recover fully from that. So he's going to get an opportunity on a team that uh, is desperate for scoring. So look for Cole Anthony to uh, have a chip on his shoulder uh, from not being selected to one of those uh, first and second team all rookie uh, and put together some pretty good uh, games there in Orlando. Did you think he played enough games to warrant being on the first or second team? Because he was out for like, what, almost half the season, right? You mean to, But you mean to tell me Desmond Bain and Emmanuel Quickly deserve it over Cole Anthony, regardless of number of games played? Uh, like like, mean, Cole, Anthony like start, Cole Anthony started a, a ton of games. Emmanuel Quickly started like two games. I, I just yeah, don't, I I don't see it. I, yeah, I think that they were probably looking more at the optics of the squad. Like Desmond Bain was on a playoff contender. Emmanuel quickly was on a playoff contender. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, I, I think Emmanuel. I think Emmanuel quickly actually held just for sheer number of of games played, held more fantasy value than than Cole Anthony did. I mean, Cole Anthony didn't really turn it up until the end of the season and in the very beginning of the season, and he really didn't shoot very particularly well. But I think that the opportunities really were when is what's Markel Fultz's timeline looking like? Cause that's really what he's going to. And that's what I was going to ask, man, former Sixer, you're not worried about him. No Fultz? man, his Markel Fultz's surgery was on January 20th. I believe to get fight up to your full, man, to, Adam fight for him to get up, to get up, to, <laughs> to get up, to, to get up to full speed. Like you're not going to see Fultz probably until the early part of 2022. I could see the Orlando magic holding him out till after the all-star break. So Cole, Cole Anthony is going to have a chance to be the guy on this team. It's not like Jonathan Isaac's going to come back from all his injuries and just be the guy. Like Cole Anthony is going to have an opportunity to put up twenty to twenty-five points a game, like Whoa. from the get from from the from the get-go. You That's think a, he's a, a twenty twenty-five point bucket getter? I think I think he's no. at least I think he's at least an eighteen point per game guy next season. Okay, now, all right, now you're now you're talking realistic. Okay, okay. hot take okay. though. I got in behind the scenes sources. Yo, Lenny, it's oh. funny, Lenny. This is th these conversations are financially beneficial for Lenny as he comes on the show and listens to all of our guys. If you go to the Instagram of Lethal Shooter, who is uh, you guys are follow Lethal Shooter. He's like uh, he works with a ton of NBA players on their shot. He's he's also just a ridiculous shooter. Played some uh, played college ball. Played overseas. I think he like blew a lung out or something, and that's it. Cole Anthony has been working with Lethal Shooter uh -oh. the last few months in the offseason, working on his game, perfecting his shot. He's a gym rat. That comes that's, from ba ooh. basketball pedigree, too. Uh -oh. That's the ins inside scoop right there. Lenny Jacobson, that's why we had you on. <laughs> I, do, I do like Cole Anthony, though. I like the season that he had in the, in the time that he got. Like, who's getting buckets in Orlando? Yeah, Wendell no. Carter. Orlando. Yeah, there's not, many, there's not many options there. So, yeah, just for sheer opportunity and – what he's shown he could do in the, in the draft pedigree. Like, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense that he, he's going to have a good, good season. Yeah. He's going to have the chip on his shoulder. He didn't have a great collegiate career was a, was a rising star in high school, kind of 
you know, was a letdown a little bit at UNC, but I do think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder heading into next season. All right, I'll go to mine. My guy's Bogdan Bogdanovich. So he came over from Sacramento Kings, signed a four-year, $72 million deal. So this guy got the bag. So obviously that Atlanta's invested in him going forward. What I think that it's even more telling is his performance on the court when John Collins is off the floor. 22% usage rate, average over 22 points, five, five rebounds, four assists, while making four and a half threes in nine games without John Collins on the floor. And what we've seen in the playoffs, I think, is really telling in terms of his opportunity and what it's going to look like going forward. He's only averaged 29 minutes over the course of his career, but he's playing upwards of 35 in the playoffs. Now, he just got hurt. He has a, a minor knee injury. It doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term thing. Could leave him out for, for game seven, but I think that this, 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 the uh, opportunity for this guy going forward is going to be huge. Playing alongside a really good backcourt mate in Trey Young, and you're going to have DeAndre Hunter come back, but I don't think you're going to see his his opportunity costs really go down at all, just being that John Collins getting off the floor and giving this guy plenty of room to shoot. You see what he can do in the playoffs. The guy's been an assassin, so I think his value is only going to go up. He's improved his scoring every single year that he's been in the league. He shot 47% this year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's hovering around that. Couple of that with those those threes that go up in his scoring, you're looking at a nice potential top 75, top 50 value there. So I think he's going to have a really good season coming up next. The next guy will be really quick, Daniel Gafford. I think he's found a nice home finally in Washington. He moved moved around a bunch. You know, he started out in Chicago, then he went to Orlando, now he's in Washington. And uh, I think he's finally found a, a niche with West, Russell Westbrook. We'll see what the Washington Wizards are going to look like. Scott Brooks is now out as their head coach. But one thing was was for sure is that this kid has a lot of talent. The, the Wizards certainly are playing. You know, you have stat stuffer Russell Westbrook next to you. But I think we saw some rapport there where he's starting to trust in his teammates a little bit more. So look for Daniel Gafford to be a cheap big to get in uh, in your rosters next season. I think, we, I, think I saw a video recently with uh, Daniel Gafford working on his 18 to 20 footer. So maybe he can extend that to a three. Uh, next couple seasons. So you're looking at a guy who could step out and uh, hit a three. That'd be cool. Yeah, he's yeah, athletic enough to certainly do it. Yeah. We're not counting on a Thomas Bryant breakout again, are we? Yeah, maybe. He was going to be a beast if he didn't get hurt. Yeah. yeah was. What, what was his injury? Was it a knee injury? ACL, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not, that's a, that's a tough timeline to come back from. So yeah, for sure. Good call. All right. So that will conclude our show this week. Lenny. Where can the people find you? What stuff are you working on? Only on a show called For All Mankind. It's got a bit of a bit, little bit of buzz these last few months. It's uh, we're shooting the third season now, but the first two seasons are on Apple TV, which I know is tough for some people to get. But if you watch Ted Lasso, that's the same place. Um, at For All Mankind, it's a cool show. It's like astronauts. It's basically based in 1969 when it opens the moon landing, but alternate you uh, alternate timeline if the Russians have gotten there two weeks before Armstrong and, and all those kids. So that show, uh, the, the show that I wish everyone could watch, but it's, it's just hidden away is big time in Hollywood, Florida. It was on Comedy Central a bunch of years ago. We only got one season. It's my favorite thing I've ever gotten to do. And most people that have seen it will swear by it as being one of their favorite. It's a dark comedy. It's like Breaking Bad of comedy. Uh, a lot of great guest stars we had in it, uh, Ben Stiller and Cuba Gooden Jr., Michael Madsen. And it's, I don't even know where you can watch it. The Comedy Central website's kind of crap, but you can <laughs> try to find it. And that's it. Yeah, I just finished, I was working on a show in Canada called The Peacemaker for HBO Max, which is John Cena's character from the the Suicide Squad that's coming out, what, in a couple of months? Uh, that's James Gunn. It was really cool. That show's going to be great. That'll be in January of 2022. That's it for right now, though, man. Um, I'm just, I always look, I'm looking forward to, all, to to sports in general. Basketball is coming into the final area. We got baseball picking up. And then you're always ready for football. But uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, gentlemen. Uh, as you can tell, I, I love I love talking hoops. And we'll see what happens with those predictions. I, w this is all saved for posterity. So, oh yeah, uh, we got we got receipts. We Always. got receipts on all the players. <laughs> Twenty five points a game for Cole Anthony next year is going to be great. <laughs> Marking that down. Just make sure. OG Anunoby is going to be a top like yeah, I like him. 30, 30, 35 guy. I think. So just Rodney keep that in mind. Shake some things up. 
God, it's shaking things. I mean, there's so many coaching changes going on right now too. The NBA is uh, the NBA is like your favorite reality television show. It's, it's just fascinating. Drama. Great. I mean, it's one. I can't wait to see where all these coaches end up and how they change the dynamic, the teams, and uh, mm-hmm. and where the player. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's it, the rest of this playoffs is gonna be wild. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week where we have another great guest to announce. We'll be having Josh Lloyd from Basketball Monster on the show to talk more fantasy hoops. And, oh, check back next week to find out more about how to sign up for the totally free poker tournament at ignitioncasino.eu. Remember, you, the listeners, will have the opportunity to play against us, the hosts, and win extra prizes by knocking us out of the tournament. Again, stay tuned next week for more information on how to sign up. And in the meantime, visit ignitioncasino.eu. Until then, we'll catch you next week. For the stretch four, I'll holler at you. Peace.